And welcome to another edition of Across the County. I'm Noah. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, on today's show, I wanted to talk about something very important. And it's been a while. I brought it up on the show a few times in the past. And I think something that is ignored in the mainstream media is how people handle things when it comes to their mentality. Especially right now, we are all living in a very unique environment. We are in the COVID-19 pandemic, as it were, or the so-called pandemic, depending on what your beliefs are. However, it is affecting us all. And there's a stigma out there as well that, well, you know, if you're a Christian, you're dealing with it better because you could rely on God. And so you get through these times, these tougher times, a little bit easier. And I'm here to tell you that that is the furthest thing from the truth, because I'm also a Christian, and we all struggle with how to get through this in some way, shape, or form. Unfortunately, for some Christians included, when there's problems that arise and you really feel alone, what do you turn to? Well, you turn to alcohol or drugs, and it literally kills thousands every year and affects millions of lives and families across the country and probably across the globe. So I wanted to reach out to somebody who is really an expert when it comes to this. And my guest is Pastor Ron Smedley. He's executive director of Mission Recovery. There's an event we're going to be talking about that already passed, and we're going to see how that transformed people's lives. And a minister of 30 years, a former parole officer and caseworker for Child Protective Services for the state of Texas. Pastor Ron, thank you for stopping by the show and taking a couple of minutes. I greatly appreciate it. Good, good afternoon, Noah. It is a pleasure to be with you on across the county and one of my favorite cities in, in the nation is San Diego, so it's great to be with you. Well, we hope you come back soon. Absolutely. Well, first off, uh, let's focus on what I opened the show with. Uh, do you agree with me? I really feel like when it comes to how people are handling things going on in the world today, the mentality of it all is really pushed to the wayside. You don't hear almost anybody in the media, especially, talking about it. It's almost like it's not important. You're, you're exactly right, Noah, and I appreciate you eloquently described it. One of my passions is primarily, to be frank with you, souls are dying. Uh, 120 souls are dying every day, precious souls. And to all addiction, 180 precious souls every day. And believe it or not, this pandemic has caused that to increase 49% as of June. Wow. And so it's one, it's one of my passions. Uh, the Lord showed me uh, the, the need by working with individuals and families as both a pastor and then even more so as a parole officer. So it's a passion that I want to give voice to because I think it's one of the most relevant needs in our nation, and it's of epic proportions. And there's actually three elements of it that people don't even think about, and that's the addiction in and of itself in all forms. And then you mentioned the mental health and the pain behind that that people are medicating from and then getting hooked. And what a lot of people don't think about, Noah, that really uh, is another element is all the affected family members mm. who are devastated. There's like five people on average that are being negatively affected by their loved one's addiction. So it's a r real mission field and a great opportunity for, for outreach. Well, that's why I said, you know, it kills thousands, but there are millions that are affected because even if 
one, the person with the addiction doesn't die. They're going through severe trauma. Then you have their family members that are affected. And it's really just a chain reaction that can really cause a lot of turmoil in the lives of the individual, of the family, and possibly even the church if they're connected to a church. You're exactly right. And you know what? Uh, The stats say, and my experience would verify this, 80% of hurting people come to churches first, Noah. Uh, they look for, for churches to help, sure. and, and most churches do not feel equipped to deal with this. And furthermore, as a parole officer, I used to refer a lot of my clients to churches, and they don't feel comfortable going to churches because of the stigma. And every addict that I deal with has deep, deep-rooted shame and pain they're trying to escape. And what greater place is there than the church? The church should be the greatest of all support groups because we have the resources and the message to be able to address these issues. But stigma is a real problem uh, that we have to deal with every day. Well, and that's why I think Mission Recovery, um, a project to save, is so important. It's Survivors and Victims Empowered, also called SAVE. And you guys did an event on the 27th of September. I want to hear all about this, what went into the event, and how it transformed people's lives. Well, thank you so much for asking. Actually, it's a passion of Myers because three years ago, SAVE asked me to become the director of Mission Recovery. And basically, our, our vision is because of my unique voice being both involved in secular treatment and as a pastor, is to equip and come alongside churches to know how to address this relevant need. So that's one of our ministries. But Recovery Sunday is every last uh, Sunday in September. This was, this was our, our third annual one. We, we uh, partner with the National Movement for Recovery Month, and so every last Sunday in September, which this year was September the 27th, and through fax and email and through uh, media promotion, we reached out to 250 churches throughout the nation. And what we asked them to do is to acknowledge this issue. And as we were talking about earlier, it's even greater now because of the pandemic. People are hurting. Alcohol and drug abuse is up. Suicide is up. And so we ask at least to give one day one day to say, we hear your cries and we want to show you compassion and prayer. And the pastors that participated saw great response and great impact. And then, of course, Mission Recovery is we have a, a program and a curriculum to help those pastors if, through the response if they want to do more. We have a plug-and-play curriculum uh, we give to them for, that are absolutely free because, again, as a pastor myself, we don't always feel equipped to deal with these issues, so that's why we want to help. You can still go to our rep website, recoverysunday.com, and there will be information there. If you want to have Recovery Sunday anytime, we bless you, and we want you to do that. And that's awesome, too. It's a 52-week program, so it's, it's in-depth. It's not just like a one-and-done, and you can really go through an entire process to get people to the other side and out of this hurting. Absolutely. We're passionate about that, Noah, because I've been involved in CR, Celebrate Recovery and Life Recovery, and when I go around helping churches, we can start groups with like-minded people that have that struggle uh, just by getting them to read these curriculums. But what we love about ours is we were talking earlier that we have a tagline. We say behind every addiction, there's some form of pain that people are trying to escape, whether it's physical or emotional. And so we not only give them tools 
we not only give them skills and we not only give them the word, but we, we try to help people get down to the roots. So they have 30-minute videos. We have PDFs that are workbooks that any any person or a pastor are, are usually busy. They could designate someone in their church to take the people that are affected and usually in my experience, it's about 30% when you add the addicts and the family members, and then you can help them on an ongoing basis because 65%, Noah, 65% of churches have said that they don't have any ministry or any programs to help people in recovery. So we want to help. And why do you think that is, Pastor Ron? I, I'm really curious. Is it because, obviously, it's not because they don't want to make a difference, because that's the furthest thing from the truth. Is it because, what you said earlier, they don't feel equipped, or they don't know how to get started, or maybe it's just too touchy of a, subje- a subject for them? What's the reason? I think you said it accurately. That you, you hit several aspects. I think, first and foremost, it's they don't feel equipped. We did some surveys about seminaries, and most seminaries say they don't really address Uh, recovery and mental health actually one of them said why would we because it's sin so there's a problem so they're not really equipped to deal with it and then secondly it's a very messy ministry but you know the way we look at that Noah is that's the ones that Jesus came to seek and save Mm. and and then a lot of times we as a tendency because I know pastors I've been one for almost 40 years now is it we have things and programs planned out in advance, and we want to keep things pretty tidy. And to be frank with you, it's very messy dealing with these broken lives. But again, we think those were the ones that Jesus came to seek and to save. Well, and you're going to have a couple of different aspects of it, too. You're going to have the people that are Christian, so they're already saved, but they do need help on getting through to the other side and a reminder that Jesus loves them and that Jesus can get them through this. And then there's also the people that might be coming to you that have a... They have a curiosity. They they feel a pull from God, and they might not be saved, but this might be the process that actually gets their salvation. Absolutely. One of the things we found, Noah, is that if churches will address this, because people are looking for help. I just said it earlier, 80% of people are looking for, uh, come to churches first. And if you will begin to address this issue, to acknowledge that we hear you and we want to help you, provide you support, uh, not only will it help the seekers, but what I have found and have been involved in it myself, Noah, is exciting is what happens is it, it starts spreading in the community and you get unbelievers uh, who are attracted by the transformational experiences that they're seeing and their family members and they start coming and you know uh, a couple of I've grown a couple of churches uh, exponentially just by dealing with this issue of emotional pain and recovery. Noah here and across the county, Pastor Ron Smedley, my guest, Executive Director of Mission Recovery and a minister of 30 years. Pastor, what is the first step? I think I know the answer, but maybe I'm far off on this. What is the first step in recovery from an addiction, whether it's alcohol or whether it is a severe drug abuse? Is it just the recognition that you have a problem or is it something else? No, you hit it exactly. But the first step is to admit that you have a problem. And sometimes people have been doing it so long that they don't even know that they have a problem. And the prodigal son story in the Bible is a great example of that. So a person has to come to their senses, 
be willing to change. And then if they can lean into Jesus, he can provide a deep, deep transformation deep within the heart. And then connection is important because we always say the opposite of addiction is connection. And so after Jesus does a deep work in our heart, freeing us from shame, freeing us from the chains of addiction, giving us a new, a new future and a new hope, wiping away the past, then he puts us in his community where people can help us with uh, overcoming temptations, renewing our minds, uh, meditating upon the Word, and uh, providing prayer support whenever we need it. So the the first step is, of course, being willing to change and then lean into God. And then once you lean into God, you have a community that can help you in your daily walk as other issues start surfacing that need to come under the Lordship of Jesus or be uh, prayed over. Renewing your mind is always one of my favorite sayings because it's so true and it's so biblical as well because we, we, we build our each other up, our families, our ourselves up in Christ, in God, and we, we get strong. And then we also, along the way, all of us to some degree, let life kind of drag us through the mud, whether it's in a minor way or in a severe way. And we often need to reset ourselves to get back to where we were and walk the walk that Christ would have us on. That's exactly right. We, uh, you know, recovery is so spiritual, Noah. Quickly, I mean, most recovery in our nation was rooted in the Bible and the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said to people, he said, if you sin, if you have a pattern of sin, and of course sin is very broad, that if we turn to anything other than God, it doesn't fulfill us, and it usually puts us in bondage. And Jesus said, mm. "You sin is a slave to sin, but the son who the son sets free is free indeed." So, I have been a parole officer and sent people to secular treatment and to prisons that deal with substance abuse. But I make no apologies of what we can do as a church through the gospel message and through the compassionate and prayer. Is we can transform a person from within and then help them in all the other areas in their life that are being uncovered, that they need to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. We're going to get to a a couple of stats here in a second, and then a powerful testimony. But I have one uh, question for you, Pastor, and that is, what is the main difference between secular and Christian recovery when it comes to alcohol and drugs? Obviously, there's the spiritual component, but how do you go about it? There's got to be a different formula. Well... Part of that answer is that's one of the reasons uh, they asked me, because I've seen both sides. As a parole officer, I used to go into secular treatment three times a day. Mm-hmm. And there, are, there are some skills and tools that they can give them. But again, that's why I say Christ-centered recovery and faith-based recovery. I was actually working for the state of Texas when President Bush initiated his faith-based initiatives. And the state was actually bringing in these ministries because they saw the transformational power to really change people from within. And the state can't give you that with behavior modification or with appeal. Only Christ Jesus can give you that, that change deep within. Amen to that. There's some stats in front of me, and the the sad and staggering fact is that you know these numbers are now exponentially going through the roof because of the COVID pandemic, so-called pandemic. It is really affecting people in ways that we never thought possible. One stat that I'm looking at says alcohol and drug addiction cost the U.S. economy over $600 billion every year. By the time 2020 is over, that's that's going to look like chump change. I have a feeling that's at least going to be double. 
Yes, and another thing to think about too, Noah, this is the per- former parole officer in me. 80% of the people that I dealt with over 12 years, thousands and thousands of people, not only that, but you have most uh, offenses are cr- uh, committed under the influence of drugs or alcohol or to support a habit. So think about that. Think about what a difference we could make if we can change and transform lives. We ultimately stop crime and we save lives that are dying every day. And the last stat I'm going to uh, give before we get to our test testimony, because I think it's important for people to hear. Again, there is a stigma out there that I have heard that Christians, not necessarily for the most part, they deal with these situations, the harder situations in life, a little bit easier. They have God to rely on, so it keeps them strong. But I remind people, Christians are not immune to addiction. And half of pastors, 52%, say someone in their church is dealing with an opioid addiction. And I bet you a lot of those, because they're going through issues, even if it's not uh, pandemic-related, serious issues. And, you know, they're believers in Christ, but but they've fallen. Yes, they live in a fallen world, and we uh, we can be Christians, and to be frank, with you know my experience is there's not a lot of difference between the world and those in the church when it comes to addiction because we do live in a fallen world and there are so many things out there that can get us hooked and that's what i want your listeners to understand because some of the stigma comes that when we treat people that they make choices but Sometimes it's not a conscious choice. It can be a choice, but sometimes they're not, they don't choose to be raped. They don't choose to be abused. They don't choose to experience the divorce of their parents. And most every addiction is rooted. I've never seen one that's not rooted in trying to escape some form of pain, whether that be physical or emotional, and then to seek pleasure. And with this opioid pandemic, Opioids in and of themselves are common uh, ingredients in painkillers, and so they're highly addictive, and they have a high uh, um, probability of uh, of, uh, not only being addicted but overdose, and we're seeing it exponential and even, again, increased because of this pandemic. Pastor Ron, the last section of our interview, I want to focus on something that I think is going to move a lot of people. Because it's one thing to give people stats, to tell people how things are going in the world. It's another to share a real-life testimony of somebody that has been through the pain and the process. Let's talk about Deanna McFarlane, who has had a horrible experience with being a slave to opioids, which we were just talking about. It ruined her entire life. Tell us about Deanna and how she got through this. Thank you for that, Noah. I love this story, and to be frank with you, there's hundreds of stories like this, but Deanna's a personal friend of mine. She even That's even her name. I've found once a person really gets set free, they don't have shame anymore, and so she tries to use her story to help other people, and she was a typical churchgoer just like anyone else uh, and was n- not like what we think typically about a drug user. She was a high, had a high-paying job as a nurse, and she had an unfortunate auto accident, was severely injured, also found out that it had aggravated a congenital birth defect in her lower lumbar. And so, as many of us have experienced athletes, sports injuries, accidents, she was prescribed opioids, painkillers, common painkillers, to take two a day. And what they do is they block pain and give a sense of euphoria. And so it's really dangerous, and you can get hooked, and she did. And instead of taking two pills a day, she was taking 24 pills a day. Oh, wow. And 
And as a nurse, she began to steal from her employer and lie about it, which is where this always goes to try to survive. And then she, what she really felt bad about was lying and stealing from her beloved father. And uh, what, where this usually always ha- heads, we always say, don't be a dope, death or prison eventually. Uh, she was eventually turned in. She was caught. She went to prison for 15 months got out and then got high again on opioids because she was hooked. She was addicted and needed help. And uh, again, the cycle continued. She went on, was arrested again, and this time sent to a secular program. But after she got out of the secular program, she was arrested again with more pills. And the police officer showed her compassion and care. And at that moment, she came to the end of herself and she began to cry out to God, uh, think, contemplating suicide. And her father uh, said he would take care of her charges if she would be willing to go to a Christ-centered program. And she went to a Christ-centered program, and there she found the love of the Lord. She found individuals who would love her even though she felt unworthy. And she began to let Jesus Christ touch all the areas where she was ashamed and the things that she had done and begin to experience love like she had never known before. And from that time, she's been sober. And you know what's really something to celebrate, Noah, that this is what gets us out of bed every day, is not only was she set free and she'd been clean and sober, but she is now a, a licensed counselor, and she goes into that prison uh, to share the light of the Lord every day to set other captives free and so it's come full full circle is not only has she been set free but she's now giving her life to set other people free from drugs and alcohol that's amazing it's a great story and you would think that for some depending on what they were in for 15 months for somebody that wasn't a typical criminal that you know got maybe got caught up in a bad situation 15 months would reform somebody but that shows you the power of opioids because they weren't the prison didn't reform her and God continued to spare her life. And it was only Jesus that was able to take away the sin and the, the shame of that addiction. And I love hearing that now she is giving back because I think that's what it takes. It's about people that have gone through the process and show, Hey, you know what? I was, I was in a destructive process. I probably would not have made it. And Jesus was the thing that saved me, was the one that saved me. And let me show you how he can do the same for you. Absolutely. That's our passion, Noah. That's why uh, Deanna says, and you can read her story in the Christian Post, XX Felon, please participate in Recovery Sunday, because we need to throw these people a lifeline and save lives. And so we're very passionate about that. And that's where the churches and pastors can help with Christ-centered recovery. And we ask for it. We ask for every church in America to at least sponsor one person because the people that need help usually can't get it because they don't have the finances. So uh, go to our website, recoverysunday.com. You can find more information. And you know what, Pastor Ron, asking to sponsor one person I don't think is a tall order. I think that's very doable no matter the size of the of the church. That's right, because 80% of the people can't afford the programs out there. There are some good programs, but they've, they have no paying source or no insurance. And so think about how churches can make a difference by sowing into Christ-centered recovery. Pastor Ron Smedley has been my guest. It's been a real pleasure to have you on and talk about something that is not out there 
in the mainstream media. This is the type of story that needs to be out there more because at the end, even though it's not really feel good, I mean, it makes you feel bad that so many people are going through it. There's a solution to this. That solution is the good news. And that's why these things need to be talked about uh, much more regularly than we hear about in the mainstream media or anywhere else for that matter. Amen. And thank you so much for promoting this, Noah, and for um, giving us a chance to give a voice to this need. And we hope others will partner with us. Any final thoughts, Ron? I just pray if you're out there, if you're a family member out there, find uh, find hope and you can lean into a God who loves you and will restore your soul back to life and find a safe, accepting community that can help you uh, in your daily walk. Go to recoverysunday.com and churches. You can get plugged into this. It, it is such a great way to give back to Christians that are hurting out there, brothers and sisters in the Lord that need, as Pastor Ron said, a lifeline so that they don't go all the way off the deep end like Deanna almost did. There's a 52-week program that can be joined, it looks like, at any time. I highly suggest you look into that as well. Or maybe you're just an individual. Maybe you want to volunteer some time. RecoverySunday.com, a great place to go. Pastor Ron Such an honor and a privilege, my friend, and thanks for coming on the show, and we'll have to have you back on in the near future. I would love to, and thank thank you, Noah, and may God heal our land. Amen to that. Noah here and across the county. Stay tuned. There's more coming up.